You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. We have been talking about God's goodness. We have been talking about about God's promises the last few weeks. And this week, we're going to continue by looking at the story of a man at the end of the book of Genesis. Thirteen chapters are focusing on Joseph. It's interesting that 13 chapters are focusing on Joseph because we've already talked about Adam and Eve, just a couple chapters. We talked about Noah, just a couple chapters. We talked about Abraham, just a few chapters. Same thing with Jacob. And now 13 chapters. Don't worry, we're not going to read them all today. I see some of you like 13 chapters we're about to go through. I will skip through, but I want to encourage you to read these chapters this week, Genesis 37 through Genesis chapter 50, because they have so much in them that help us remember how good God is. Here is what Joseph teaches us. In this world, we will have trouble. You are sitting here this morning with some sort of pain in your life. I know because I have it too. We are human And in this world, we will have trouble and pain, but we can take heart knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and that God has a purpose for our pain. No matter what it may be, God has a purpose for our pain. You see, Joseph answers the question, if God is good, then why do bad things happen too? Let's complete it to good people. If you ever ask that question, if God is good, then why would bad things happen? Why would he allow these bad things happen to good people? See, the source of pain is threefold. It's sin, but it it reveals itself in three different ways. The first one is just a personal consequence. We make bad decisions and we, we sin. We fall short of God's glorious standard. And so we bear those bad consequences. We sin. Sin done by me is the first dimension of sin, but it's A narrow one if we stay there. There's actually more because it's interesting that Joseph, as we're about to read, doesn't sin in the way that Jacob does by deceiving his dad or Abraham does by uh, being a passive husband or even Noah does after the flood. We don't have those stories in the narrative of Joseph's life. So these other two dimensions of sin are where Joseph's story really, it speaks to this. And, And the second dimension is this, it's sin done to me. We're all born into this life with a mom or a dad. Some may, one of those or both of those may have been absent. We are born into a sinful family and we surround ourselves with people that are imperfect and we hurt one another. And this sin done to me are the wounds, the pain that is inflicted because of somebody else's decision that was outside of my control. The Bible speaks to Jesus also allowing us to receive his grace so that we would what? Forgive those that hurt us, right? And so the gospel message also applies to that. The third dimension of sin is is the sin done around me. So there's sin done by me, sin done to me, and then sin done around me. And this sin is seen in Joseph's story as a famine that comes in and hurts this whole nation, ultimately the whole world. But God has a purpose for the pain as Well, we've been memorizing the scripture, and I want us to practice it this morning. It's 2 Timothy 2.13. I hope you have it memorized, and if not, don't worry, because we're going to practice it right now. Can we say it together? 2 Timothy 2.13, if 
we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So even in our pain, God remains faithful. And the promise that we have in Joseph's story is that there is purpose for our pain. Purpose for our pain. Let's see how Joseph's story teaches us about this purpose. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 37. We read that Joseph is 17 years old. Boy, oh boy. Do you remember being 17? Okay, let's keep going. And he was pasturing the flock with his brothers. So he was the youngest at the time. He had a younger brother, Benjamin, but he was the only one that was the youngest one there with his brothers. Uh, there were 12 in all. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Uh-oh, the tension begins. He is a tattletale. And no one likes a tattletale. Uh, it gets worse. It says that he, uh, Israel, that is Jacob, remember Jacob is renamed Israel, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age favoritism. I mean, if you want to add an ingredient to trouble and an excuse to inflict pain on a sibling, Parents, call one of your child your favorite one. All right. And so he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. I don't want you to raise your hands, but we all have these sibling rivalries. The people closest to us are often the people that inflict the pain uh, the worst in our lives. Uh, my brother graced us with his presence at the 10 o'clock gathering. I can't pick on him now that he's not here. I can actually pick on him double fold. I won't lie about him, but I'll just say he's three years younger. He's now three inches taller. Uh, when I was a kid, I learned how to juggle early. I think I was in second or third grade or something. The kid was in kindergarten and he starts juggling and it doesn't only juggle three. He juggled four at the same time. And then he started juggling clubs and can balance a ladder on his nose. True story. The guy's a circus act is really what he is. And uh, then I grew up playing soccer and I played at, at Texas State just at the club level. He had the one up me. He played D2 in uh, California. And even recently I've been playing pickleball for a couple of years and you've already heard of some of my woes. And uh, he just started playing pickleball, so I thought, all right, he's coming into town, I'll whoop him. Well, no, he whooped me 11-0 yesterday. <laughs> so there may be some jealousy from this older brother to, uh, to my younger brother. Thank you for being in my therapy session uh, with, with me. Things don't go better for Joseph and his brothers. You see, their jealousy and their envy got to such a point that they conspired to sell him into slavery. Literally, they brought him out. Uh, Jacob, Israel, sent Joseph out to check on his brothers. And while he was out there, they said, hey, let's go ahead and sell him as a slave to these visiting merchants. He ended up going to Egypt. And then they, his brothers slaughtered an animal, sprinkled some blood on his coat, and then brought it to their dad saying, Our, your son is dead. He was attacked. He, he was mauled by this animal, and it did not go well. Uh, uh, terrible uh, Grief from Israel, but his brothers never really recovered. We find that out at the end of the story. But here's the thing. Joseph, he had a dream, 
And his dream was that all his brothers and his dad would bow down for him. That's what, that's what really got his brothers. We need to get rid of this guy. They inflicted pain. But Joseph's pain had a purpose. And we find the first purpose in Genesis chapter 39. See, he was sold not only to just some random person as a slave, he actually was sold to the commander of the whole Egyptian army, a man by the name of Potiphar. And in Genesis 39 verse 3, it says that Potiphar, his master, saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in this sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and field. I hope this hyperlinks us back to the promise that God made to Abraham. Do you remember it? The God of blessing, that those who bless Abraham and his family will be blessed by God. Potiphar is being blessed because of Joseph's presence in his midst. And, and that, that could be it. He put him in charge of everything that he had, but then Joseph has another pitfall. You see, he was a handsome fella, the word says. And uh, Potiphar's wife in, 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 uh, seduced him and said, hey, come sleep with me. And Joseph did what the New Testament teaches us to do when we're confronted with sexual immorality. Doesn't mean doesn't matter if we're male or female. It says to flee. Can we all say that together? Flee from sexual immorality. And Joseph does that. He leaves. He, and he's like, whew, I got out of that one. Nope. She roped him back in, accused him of doing something that he did not do. And in verse 20, uh, it says that Joseph's master, Potiphar, took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Once again, Joseph, pain inflicted in his life. He was falsely accused. We know what that's like here on earth. When someone misunderstands us, when someone misrepresents us, it inflicts pain in us. But the Lord has purpose for his pain. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge. Again, we see Joseph. His purpose is to be put in a leadership position over many. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. Well, does it get better? Not really. You see, he uh, was around two guys, a cupbearer and a baker, and those guys had a dream. And he said, hey, I actually know a God who interprets dreams. Tell me your dream, and I'll interpret it for you. And so they told him this dream, and the dream was bad news for the baker. He, the dream meant that he was going to die, and, and the cupbearer, good news for him. He was going to get out of jail, his out-of-jail card. And so he told Joseph, hey, when you get out of jail, cupbearer, don't forget me. But on verse 23, we read that the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I know that many of us in the room have done kind things to other people that they never, ever, ever remember, that they totally forget. Kindness that goes unnoticed. Man, pain. Does anyone see me? Does anyone see the suffering that I'm 
inflicted. You would think that at this point, Joseph would just bow to this victim mentality and say, woe is me. I'm not going to continue to follow Jesus. But God has a purpose for his pain. You see, two years go by where he's in prison, forgotten until that cupper suddenly snaps into reality. Pharaoh, the ruler of all of Egypt has a dream and he says, hey, I know a guy that interprets dreams. He's in prison. He comes out of prison and there Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, which is this. Seven years, there will be famine and the whole world is going to come to Egypt to look for food because the seven years prior will be abundant and Egypt will hoard food and save food so that not only all people in Egypt will have food, but all the people of the world will have food and many will be saved. And so in verse, uh, we, in verse uh, 38 of Genesis 41, we hear Pharaoh say this, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. There was a purpose for Joseph's pain. He was in there for seven years, helping Pharaoh hoard all the food, saving it in storehouses. And then when famine struck, dun, da, da, dun, the brothers come back into the picture. And you would think it is time for revenge. And Joseph has his opportunity because his, his brothers are literally doing what Joseph dreamed. They're bowing down before Joseph and they're asking him for food, for help. And you know what Joseph does? He has every chance to get back to him and he doesn't do it. In fact, he, he tests them first. Has, has your heart changed is really what he's asking. And it's a back and forth. I encourage you to read it. But ultimately what happens is that the brothers come to Joseph. Joseph reveals who he is. And he says this in Genesis 45, 4, come near to me. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph. You see, they sold him into slavery at 17, and he's anywhere between 37 and 44, probably around 40 years old at the time. All this time has come by, and he says, I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. But listen to this. He says, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. He says, hey, you inflicted pain, but God had a purpose. He had a plan all along. It took over 40 years to unfold in, G in Joseph's life. And you would think, and they lived happily ever after. Nope. One more hurdle. Israel dies. Dad dies. And the brothers are thinking, okay, surely 
Dad's gone and he's coming for us now. But last chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis 50, 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay back for all the evil that we did to him. And so they sent a message to Joseph saying, here we go. The liars, the deceivers, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God of your father. So they're, they're looking to do anything to appease this anger that is not in Joseph. This revenge that Joseph is choosing not to do. Why? Because he knows that there is pain. There's purpose in his pain. We read that Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God. Here's the promise of purpose through pain. Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. He moves his family to Egypt. All of Israel comes to Egypt and then it is to be continued. The story of the Exodus happening 400 years later. Here is the point this morning though. The pain that you are feeling right now, God has a purpose for it. What it is, when you will find out, I don't know. But what I do know is that it took Joseph 40 years to see the purpose for his pain. It took Abraham four generations to see that the whole world will be blessed by his family, that now because of Joseph, the world in a time of famine will have food. God has a purpose for your pain. You may not even see it in your lifetime, but your kids may see it. Your grandchildren may see it. Your great-grandchildren will see it. Pain in God's economy is never wasted. He will use it, and he will turn it for good. I want to leave us with five of uh, these points because the purpose of our pain is beautifully defined in the New Testament. And Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Let's break this down as we close. It says, and we know. We know with certainty because of the story of Joseph that God has a purpose for our pain. You may not see it. You may not feel it, but you can believe it. And you can say this morning, I know, I know. And then moving on, we can know with certainty and we know that God, he is the cause of turning evil into good. He is the only one that can bring purpose for our pain. Our pain outside of God does not make sense. But the promise is that God will, he will cause a completeness, everything. Not some things, 
Not only the things that we, we, others have inflicted on me, sin done to me or sin done around me. No, no, no. When we are in Christ, he says everything for good. Here's the beautiful thing. Your pain allows you to share that pain with someone else that's going through the same thing. It connects you. We are called to do this together. And when we share our pain, we are giving this promise to those around us that everything can work together for good. But for who? For everybody in the whole world, it's actually a very exclusive deal here. It's a covenant promise through the Son because Jesus came to sacrifice his life, to pour out his blood, to make a covenant between him and the whole world. But the condition is what? You got to love him. You got to accept him. You got to call him your savior and your Lord. Joseph was in the blessing of God. And we see that now the whole world is blessed through Joseph. So there is a condition. He will work all things for the good of those who love him. And then finally, who have been called according to his purpose. He sets our course. It's not my plan. I don't want to, I don't want to experience pain. Pain's no fun. I am a very sensitive, I have a very sensitive pain threshold. <laughs> I do not like pain. I want it gone. But I want to trust, Lord, in this pain, this relational wound, this physical illness, God, this issue that I'm confronting, this consequence. Lord, turn it for your good. Show me your way. Show me your purpose. I wish that I can tell you that it is fast. It's oftentimes very slow. We may not even see it, but we can believe it, that God has a purpose for our pain. You see, the most significant thing about Joseph has nothing to do with his life, but the one that he foreshadows, Joseph, leads us to Jesus, who was also rejected by his brothers when he walked here on earth. He was betrayed. He was conspired against, and ultimately he was led to the cross so that he can shed his blood to cover over our sin. He was beloved by his father, and ultimately he, and only through him, can we go back to our heavenly father. And he offers us forgiveness when we come trembling and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry for the things that we have done. We think that we're going to meet a vengeful God. But because God laid his wrath on his son, Jesus, we can now be in relationship with the perfect heavenly father. He died so that you and I did not have to die in Joseph through Jesus teaches us that there is purpose for our pain. If you're able, please stand as we close in prayer. Lord, we want to finish this time together by giving you our pain, by asking you to teach us, to remind us, to show us of your goodness, of your faithfulness, 
that you give us purpose in the midst of the hardest times in our life, just like in Joseph, Joseph's story that you never left him, God, and yet he went from tough season to tough season. You will never leave us no matter what we are confronting, and we want to trust you with our pain, and we ask for your purpose, or at least faith that one day there will be a purpose. And if we haven't yet, what a great opportunity to not only give you our pain, but to give you our life. Scripture says that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and when we believe in our heart that he rose again from the dead, we are saved. We believe and we confess. And if you have yet to call Jesus your Savior and the Lord of your life and something this morning compelled you to do so, I want to encourage you to confess this morning and accept him. You can do that by repeating these words, Jesus. This morning I give you my life because you gave me yours. I thank you for your death on the cross that forgives me of my sins and for your resurrection that promises me everlasting life. I commit to following you all the days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.